0: This podcast is brought to you by the College of Nursing at Brigham Young University. For more information about its programs, faculty, students, or alumni events, please visit nursing.byu.edu. Leadership, knowledge, service. It may be early in your nursing career, but what attributes do you want people to remember you by after retirement? We'll learn from a retiring nursing professor next.
1: Hey everyone, I'm Eliza Joy.
0: And I'm Ryan Larson.
1: Together we will explore nursing careers and professional insights.
0: With exclusive interviews for nurses working jobs that you want to know about.
1: Transferring info from one nurse to another.
0: This is The College Handoff. Today, we'll discuss the two spectrums of a career, from retirement to becoming a certified nurse assistant. We'll meet two BYU nursing alumni with perspectives on both topics. First, Dr. Sherry Palmer will share memories of her 40 year nursing career. She discusses the college's public and global health clinical experiences and research she completed in Paraguay as a Fulbright Scholar. Second, Andrea Jacobs will teach us about the tips needed to become a CNA. Let's get started.
1: Dr. Sherry Palmer has been an educator at BYU from 1995 to now. In that time, she has been a mentor to many students, a recipient of the Fulbright Scholar Award, an avid researcher, and so much more. We've invited her in today to share some of her insights and experiences before she retires at the end of the semester. Thank you so much for coming on our show
2: today. Thank you for having me.
1: So, I wanted to start off by asking how you ended up teaching at BYU, and... What were some of the motivators that led you here?
2: Well, I graduated as a registered nurse from BYU many years ago, and I I never thought that I wanted to teach until I had an instructor that was a motivator for me, and I thought I can do this. I think I would love to do that. Uh, after I received my registered nurse license, then I went on a mission. And after that, I came back to BYU and got, uh, at that time, I got my bachelor's degree. And, uh, did a lot of studying for the nurse practitioner. And uh, after that, I just, you know, we moved to Idaho and I continued my education, advanced education at Idaho State University. And I went into teaching education. For the master's program, and I fell in love with it. It was it was fun to just, you know, be able to influence future nurses and help them.
1: So, was teaching at BYU always the goal, or just educating in general?
2: I think educating in general was the goal. Uh, I actually had to be talked into applying at BYU because I thought I would stay educating in the hospital system. But it was a good, good move. And I'm so happy that I did it. It opened up a lot more uh, experiences and things that I think were along my interests. So
1: you've attended BYU, you continued your education in Idaho, and then also at the University of Utah. Is that correct? Correct. Um, What kind of makes BYU a unique place to get an education?
2: Well, of course, the uh, gospel is uh, such a wonderful influence and we're able to, you know, the nursing goes hand in hand with kind of preaching and carrying out the mission of the Savior. Uh, I think that's one of the biggest advantages for teaching at BYU is you can just kind of connect what the Savior did with what we are trying to do as far as loving and caring for each other.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so you joined faculty in 1995. Um, what are some ways you've seen the college, you know, kind of change in that
2: time? Yes, I have seen a lot of change. And uh, even though we've had lots of change, it almost seems like we come full circle again. And um, you know, we're, we're teaching, constantly teaching and trying to better the way we teach, the methods, um, but, you know, the concepts have remained the same pretty much through all the years, and uh, I think we are, of course, better in understanding how well we are teaching and if we're meeting outcomes and uh, you know, things like that.
1: Um, So, you were the Global Health and International Studies Coordinator for six years. Um, What were some of the challenges of that role that surprised you, or some things about it that surprised you?
2: It was a great, uh, challenging job. And, uh, you know, at the time, we were very young and starting our global program, global study program. And uh, I had some good, uh, shoes to fill. I had you know, a couple, uh, faculty that were, they were just such good examples of reaching out and going to different countries. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges is that over the years, up until covid we never had enough placements for all of the students that wanted to study abroad. So that was always a challenge, trying to place every single student in, in a different place. Um, of course, there are always students that want to stay home, whether, and that's great, um, there, because there is a lot of uh, culture that we can you know, experience here in, along the Wasatch Front. So, I think the challenge, the biggest challenge was just trying to get all the students happy. And then also, you know, it was a challenge and still is a challenge for faculty to pick up and leave their families. A lot of us have younger families or, you know, younger children. And so that was a challenge just trying to prep the faculty like, you can do this, you know, we're leaving for three, four weeks. And um, once you do it, you'll understand that it, it is worth it. Those, those were kind of the biggest challenges.
1: Um, I, I guess in your own words, why do you think that international studies is so important for nurses to,
2: to study and to understand? Good question. The world is becoming smaller. And I think that, you know, whether even if you just stay as a nurse here in Utah Valley, you will face a lot of cultures. Um, So wherever you go, you will meet different people from different cultures. And it's important to understand. It's important to be able to see where they're coming from, what challenges they have, what is unique about these people. Uh, and like I said, you know, people are crossing borders, people are living in other countries, and we as nurses need to know how to accommodate and how to do our best in caring for these people.
1: So you, you've done a lot of international service. Um, you received the Fulbright Scholar Award in 2018, and you taught sex education in Paraguay. What's an experience or something you learned there that you wish everybody knew or everybody understood?
2: I think that, so a couple of the things that surprised me was it started out, we were, you know, we had the challenge and this challenge is over the whole world that um, teenagers are getting pregnant. And that has been for, you know, thousands of years. but it really leads to difficulties in especially the girls' lives and i think that it is something that actually has happened so often for so many years that it it the importance has lessened um and i think that you know it's something that i can actually be we can assess and we can help the situation we can help uh couples and girls and boys to realize that there are some major consequences if you are going to have sex early. And I think it's also, uh, you know, something that has changed and evolved for me is deciding, you know, so these kids are going to be having sex. So let's teach them. Let's teach them how to do, uh, to be careful. Let's teach them to use precautions. Let's teach them to be safe. And uh, that that was a big kind of paradigm shift for me because, you know, growing up LDS, I just, we all think, oh, we're, you know, that's kind of a taboo subject and we don't even want to talk about that, but it is something that needs to be talked about. One of the times that was just recently, we uh, I had a group of students, and we were teaching sex education to um, different groups of kids. And this one particular group, it was the, the kids were probably 12 to 16. Um, and I, my students were up front doing their thing, doing a really good job, and I was kind of in the back just observing and while I was standing back there, we actually, it was a, it was a hut and it was a, had a thatched roof and a mud floor and the little wood benches. And I was standing in the back, um, thinking, okay, they're doing a great job and everything. And then I noticed at the other end of the room was a young girl and, um, she looked very shy. She was kind of hiding her face Um, she had on a big jacket and then I was just observing her and I realized she was pregnant and she was very pregnant. And, uh, so I, I went over to her and, um, you know, I said, are you doing okay? You know, because of what we're teaching. I mean, I, I would think that young girls who are already pregnant would feel a lot of guilt, you know, and, um. Maybe ostracism. And, and, uh, she just, she started crying and she just said, it's too late for me. Um, so, you know, I think, I think that just brought to me again that what we're doing is so needed, um, yeah. so important. Um, and that, yeah, we need to reevaluate what we're doing and alter to the situation. While I was thinking that, um, I took her off to the side and I just said, you know what? This is okay. What you need to focus on is being a good mother. You need to focus on eventually going back to school. You know, what she was in like seventh, eighth grade. You need to go back to school and finish, do everything you can. And, um, you know, so we can alter what we say, we can um, adapt to the situation, but that was a particularly memorable experience for me.
1: So you've done a bunch of international travel um, and and service and you encourage students to be knowledgeable about um, international issues, but you gave a devotional in July of 2014 on convenient service and finding ways to serve where you are Kind of what's your, I guess, your two cents on how to do that and like why it's important to serve those
2: around you? Right. I think when you're looking at service, there's kind of two ways to do that. There's the first way where you're actually planning to do service. I'm going to make chicken enchiladas for this family in my ward who the mom is sick. You're planning it and you're doing it. Versus the other kind of service is, things that you just happen upon. And, you know, we should have the kind of the idea and the mentality that if we see something that we could help with, we should spend the time to do that most of the time, correct? And uh, I think it's, it's like a whole mind shift sometimes because we get so busy and we think, well, you know, I, if I baked my chicken casseroles this week, that kind of checked off the service box for me. And uh, we need to think, you know, especially how the Savior did service. He was interrupted. He was walking down streets and, you know, people would come up to him. So, so much of his service was not planned. It was inconvenient almost. Probably not for the Savior, but it would be for us. So, that's, that's kind of what my philosophy is. Is, is that we need to have the mindset to be able to stop what we're doing and help where we, where we are needed.
1: So you're retiring at the end of the semester. Um, what are some of the things that you'll miss the most about BYU?
2: I will miss the students probably the most. And, uh, you know, I can, even a couple weeks ago, it was uh, Tuesday morning, Came to, came to work, and it was like uh, a bleak morning, and um, I thought, oh, well, I've got to go teach lab. And these are the students that are in their first semester, so they are learning physical assessment skills. So I go down into the NLC, and before I even go into my room, I just hear all this laughing and giggling. And right there, that just, boy, that boosted me up. 10 notches. I just thought, this is why I do this. You know, the students are so fun and they're so eager. And, uh, I just, I love teaching them. So I think that will be the, the biggest thing I will miss is the students and then the other colleagues, the faculty and the staff that are just friends. You know, it's, you revolve your life around them.
1: Do you have like a fondest memory of BYU or something that
2: just sticks out to you like an experience? So a lot of my fondest memories are with BYU, maybe not here on campus, but it's with BYU in other places. So a lot of the international uh, things that I have done, I have loved taking students to different countries and Actually helping them look outside their bubble and bringing them to areas of Paraguay that have just dirt roads. And we have to walk on dirt roads and we have to cross little streams and just seeing the students actually experience a difference, you know, from different from here on campus and just really getting down and dirty. And seeing what life really is like for the large percentage of the world's population. That's, that's, and, and that has happened multiple, multiple times. And I think that's one of the fondest memories I have. And I hope those students remember it. I hope that they take those experiences and it helps mold them through their career.
1: That's really beautiful. I, yeah, I think, um, I, it's easy to forget how, you know, other people live, and that there's different lifestyles and different circumstances. And it's really important to see it up close. What are you looking forward to most in retirement, and do you have any specific
2: plans? I really want to continue uh, doing international work, and uh, my husband is prepared to do that. He uh, he says he will help and follow and do whatever he needs to do to help me um, and help us together continue to try and make a difference Uh, it will be a different focus you know if we are serving a mission that's what we would like to do and uh, as well as I would love to volunteer volunteer just here in Utah Valley at whatever um, just helping other people so those are the altruistic things that I that I would like to do. But, you know, there's other things. I have grandkids. I'm excited to spend more time with them. I play golf. I'm on a golf league (laughs) and I really want to do, you know, to get better and maybe get a par once a year. (laughs) I love that. That's my big goal. I
1: love that. What's some advice you have for students who are in the program or maybe just entering the program?
2: I think my advice would be not to get too caught up in the littles. Don't Focus on every little point, try and keep an open mind, try and step back and look at the whole picture and figure out this, this is what my dream is, this is what I want to do, and how can I go about that rather than trying to worry and stress yourself out. And, uh, and it, you know, it's easy to say and so hard to do for the nursing students. But there, there should be and there can be a balance as a student, and I think that's so important to remember.
1: What's something you've learned about the healer's art during your time here that you'd like to share with our listeners?
2: Much of what I have learned about the healer's art, I actually spoke about in my devotional, and that is that the Savior He never shied away from um, doing the hard things. He would go above and beyond, and that means as when I have been a nurse and um, taking care of a very critical patient in the middle of a night shift and feeling like I was the only one there, helping that one person um, that I actually felt like I would be the hands of God, um, helping, helping that person, um, not only physically with all the IVs and the drips and ventilators and dressings and turning and everything else that you're doing, you're also taking care of a spiritual being and I think that's one of the things that I have learned about the healer's art is that you take away all that other stuff, all of the skills and the equipment and tubes and drains, all that you take that away and you are taking care of a spirit of a person you know, of a child God Um, Well, thank you
1: so much for sharing those thoughts and insights with us and with our listeners today and for being on the show.
2: You're welcome. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: A quick shout-out to our Associate Dean, Dr. Julie Valentine, who is among the individuals taking part in this year's TEDx BYU event. She's a nationally known expert in the field of sexual assault research, her 12-minute message focuses on the revolutionary dating app study she conducted and her unique findings. Tickets are required for the event. This and other presentations will eventually be posted on tedxbyu.com slash watch. Well, our next guest today is Andrea Jacobs. She's a CNA instructor at uh, Mountain Land Technical College in Lehigh. A lot of the... Uh, pre-nursing students that are considering nursing at BYU are people who are coming from CNA backgrounds or maybe considering it as a way to finance their college. And so Andrea is probably the best person we can talk to. Andrea, welcome to our show.
3: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, maybe you can give us a little bit of context. Most of our listeners, they are currently pursuing a a Bachelor of um, Nursing Science or um, they're currently pursuing an RNA um, license. But a lot of our students as well are our CNA. maybe you can just tell us about what the difference between, you know, the degree that you graduate with from BYU as a nursing student versus like a CNA and maybe like the scope of practice and how those roles kind of differ a little bit.
3: Yeah, no, that's a great question. So a CNA, I like to say is just, you're very, very, you're, you're kind of entering into the medical field slash nursing world. Um, It's honestly a great way to just to, just to get to know the field and kind of, get your get your feet wet a little bit um so a nurse or a certified nursing assistant or a cna they do everything under the supervision of an rn of a registered nurse so everything they do is going to be um assisting the resident with um kind of their their daily, daily tasks their daily living so showering eating um, they're kind of that main person for a resident in a nursing home or a hospital. They're going to learn how to take vital signs. Um, and they're trained to kind of watch for anything that's going on with the patient. They're they're trained to learn about the patient and then report anything that might be kind of off to the registered nurse so that she can make the, or he or she can make the decisions. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, that does make sense. I think I like that that picture you're painting of kind of like a, a hierarchy a little bit then. Is it, it sounds mm-hmm. like then CNAs are almost kind of assigned... M- a fewer number of patients than the, R, um, than the RNs are. Is that generally correct?
3: So actually the opposite. So CNAs are going to have, um, they might have a whole hall. Oh, wow. Um, and they're, they're going to be in charge of, you know, going around doing vitals, um, checking on the patients, um, answering call lights, things like that. And then the nurse will have fewer patients, but they'll have um, the CNAs reporting to them. So they're really, they're really have an important job. They're kind of the eyes of the RN when she can't, be everywhere all at once. Right. Um,
0: so. Yeah, no, well, I think that's, that, that's great then. And maybe you can tell us a little bit about what the process or maybe even before we get to the process, but why would someone want to become a CNA? I mean, because technically they're, you know, they're under the supervision, as you mentioned, of the registered nurse. So what do you think the motivation behind either someone that's pre-nursing or someone who's currently trying to get the registered nursing license? Why would someone consider being a CNA? What are some of the benefits there?
3: So one thing I think for sure is most important is you're getting really valuable experience, um, and some some people might do it just if they want to get to kind of get into that world. And is this something for me? Is nursing a world? Is this something I would enjoy? Um, and then also it's a great way. I mean, let's <laughs> talk facts. It's a good way to like add it to your resume if you're applying for nursing school. It's gonna mm-hmm. look really good if if you if you've seen like. Hey, they've stuck through it, and they they know what nursing is, and they know, they know what it's about, and they're able to do this hard. I mean, CNA that that works not easy, um, but they're able to do this hard work, and so it kind of qualifies them um, for you know future career. They're kind of it's kind of a building block for uh, future steps.
0: Yeah, I imagine so, and especially how you were mentioning a little bit earlier that there's a close tie between the CNA and the um, registered nurse. They actually work hand in hand quite a bit. So I imagine that is a really good. Um, opportunity to build some relationships and get closer to uh, medical professionals you might want to be one day.
3: For sure. And you did mention um, it's a great way to also fund school. You know, there's flexible hours and there's so many options and so many people hiring. Um, As I, my students were almost done. We had so many um, different facilities reaching out and saying, Hey, we're looking to hire. We'd love to come. And they'd come visit. And there, there were just, the world is open for, you know, medical field right now but especially for cnas and nurses
0: what do typical especially like in the utah valley area what types of requirements do like job hours and things like that are needed from from cnas as far as availability goes
3: so i think it depends on the facility they do a lot of time they call them swing shifts so you might work the first part of a night most i mean with nursing and medical field most of the time you're gonna you might you might start out night working nights. Mm-hmm. It's highly probable. Um, but you might work the swing shift, which is that early um, portion of the night and you can either choose an eight hour shift or a 12 hour shift. Um, as I've, as we've had managers and hiring managers come in, they've talked about like, okay, we're, we're willing to be flexible with you. Um, the longer you work somewhere, obviously the, the more you're going to have flexibility and options to choose your hours. But I mean, if you're a student and you have, um, and you have school, they're really, they're really good at working with you.
0: That's good. Yeah. Well, especially, I mean, you you know, it kind of sounds like you start at the bottom of the totem pole by getting the night shift hours, but those are some of the more convenient ones for students usually (laughs) as hard as they might be.
3: (laughs) Hey, it's it's true. I did night shift for a long time.
0: (laughs) Well, we're on the topic of the requirements for being a CNA Do most employers. You think, do they do like part-time opportunities for students or is it kind of, you make the full-time work or what does that usually look like?
3: oh yeah there's definitely part-time uh there's part-time um and then there's prn which is as needed usually you work work up to that um and that one's pretty flexible so they'll call you like you'll be on call um but you don't always have to be working um it's just more flexible Mm -hmm. so definitely lots of part-time because i mean they realize that most most of their their employees are are students and you know trying to Move on, and they've got big goals, and so they're working on school and things like that. So they're good at good at doing part time. Yeah. And then if you want full time, they also have that. So
0: wow, that is really valuable for sure. Really flexible. Well, maybe we can talk a little bit more now about what the process of um, becoming a CNA looks like. I mean, just off the bat, would you recommend maybe trying to get a CNA certificate as your in nursing school to become an RNA at some point? Or what do you think?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, I wish I would have. I I didn't start that, but just the experience that you're gonna get is really valuable and the, and the networking. Um, also, it would have been probably one of, I would have, it would have been a good job <laughs> through nursing school. It would have been a really good job because then you're, you're seeing what you're learning um, and just kind of building on that. Um, so I would recommend it. Um, Yeah. I look back and I'm like, man, that would have been smart. (laughs) I know a lot of people do it um, and good for them. Yep. I think it's awesome. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of students that I've had um, that are older that are coming back. You know, they've had their kids have their family and they're like, you know what? I want to try to pursue nursing. And, and it's awesome. It's awesome to see them jump into feet first and they're like, okay, let's do it. So it's not just the young, um, young 18 year olds that are starting to, to do CNA. There's, there's a lot of, um, older demographic
0: as well. Hmm. Yeah. It sounds like it's really diverse and really flexible. Well, what about, um, you know, so what would that look like? You know, if I'm an undergrad nursing student, you know, or maybe I'm pre-nursing, but I'm a busy college student either way. Um, and I want to go about getting registered to become a CNA. What would that process look like?
3: So what I would do if I were just starting to look, I would look at, I mean, you can look online at local colleges, right, that are going to do it. A lot of um, universities that have nursing schools will also have a, a program, depending. Um, but you want to look for a program that's um, qualified by the state. So, I mean, I know most about MTech, so <laughs> I'll probably talk most about that. Um, but they're run under the Utah Nursing Assistant Registry, which is called UNAR. Um, and so they have, they, they basically make sure that you're getting, um, the best experience and like the qualified so that when you sit down to take your NCLEX for the state, you're going to, you're going to have all the information and all the hours and the skills that you need to be a really good CNA.
0: Mm. And then, so there's a whole bunch of those kind of around the community. What, like, what are the hours on that type of, um, you know, what, what are the hour requirements on those types of courses? I mean, is that something I can tack onto it? super full 18 credit hour schedule or what what, what do you think or how much time should i budget for that type of uh, program maybe it depends on the program you're going through i don't know
3: yeah so um most cna programs are 114 hours um they have an so MTech has um they have several programs throughout the day you can actually start as young as 16 and um you know some high school students will have it as part of their um high school curriculum so that they graduate with their cna um So there's different hours and classes throughout the day. And then they also have night courses, the one that I taught. So I taught for a little while and then I kind of took a step back because I'm pregnant with my third and life's crazy. But um, they have an accelerated class that's four nights a week and you finish it in less than a month. So it's kind of like it's kind of a grind um, just for that month. But then you're done. And so you really can pick like as you look online, most most schools will have their schedule. And you can look and see what would work best for you. Um, some people really love just getting in and getting it done um, in that accelerated course. Um, and then some, you know, choose that day. They'll have it maybe Monday, Friday, Monday, Wednesday or Monday, Wednesday, Friday. They have several options. So just looking like online at the calendar and being like, okay, what would work for me? And what would I prefer? They have really good instructors usually. And you can, you can go and tour the school and get a feel for it. Um, I'm talking about, but you, when you, when you go on a tour, you probably want to, you want to look around and make sure that they have, um, a balance of coursework and then also clinical experience as well that they offer. Um, most or CNAs, they're going to require 24 hours of in the, um, in a facility, like clinical externship that you'll, um, get that hands-on work as well, along with the coursework.
0: And then you mentioned too a little bit that they're, um, there's kind of like some, there's a skills component as well to that. Um, you know, in addition to the, these, I think you said it's 114 hours. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in addition yep. to the 114 hours, there's some skills that are involved as well in terms of, um, uh, things that a CNA would have to be qualified and capable of doing.
3: Yep. So that, and that actually the 114 hours, um, that includes all of your skills.
0: Oh, okay.
3: So usually, um, like your your classwork, you'll sit down and you'll kind of have that traditional classroom setting learning where, you've, you know, you're learning about, you're actually learning about body systems, infection prevention, nutrition, um, mental health, just caring for a resident in general, and vital signs, how to work with the registered nurse and the medical team. Um, and then you also get your first aid and PR certification in the program, which is pretty awesome. Um, so that's included in it. So it's a it's a good well-rounded education to kind of just get you started, get you jump-started and ready.
0: Definitely. So you do these skills. You're starting to get you know some good exposure and different clinical settings. Um, you have all these great lectures. You kind of learn a whole bunch. And then when it comes time to take your test, what what does that process look like in order to actually get certified from the state?
3: So most of the time, classes will sign um, sign up all at once. So you'll take you'll take, you'll sit down and take the board with all of your, you know, classmates that you've been with the whole time. Um, They have a computer portion where you're taking, you know, that multiple choice questionnaire. Um, You'll want to look, as you're looking for nursing school, you'll want to see what their pass rate is um, and make sure it's good, right? And so you'll sit down and do that. And then you'll also have um, a skills portion. So they bring in um, nurses that are going to Test you on certain skills, so you might be asked to um, do a blood pressure or a sheet change, or um, put. I mean, there's 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 21 different skills that you might be asked to do, and so you're just prepared for that. Um, and we prepare the students really well for it. Like as we as we go through the class, we have pass offs, and they, you know, they make sure they have plenty of opportunity to be prepared for that. So students usually do really
0: well. I'm curious why you, yeah. got, why you got into the teaching route. Why did you become a CNA instructor? What was your thoughts there?
3: So when we moved back, I was probably seven months pregnant with my second. <laughs> and so I just didn't know who was going to hire me or what I wanted to do. You know, I, had, I was going to have two kids. And so I just thought about it for a while and I thought, well, I might as well get my license. And so I went and got my fingerprints and, you know, all those qualifications to get my license transferred from Tennessee to Utah. And I was in the UPS store sending off my little packet that had all my stuff for the application. And I started talking to this lady who was complimenting my diaper bag. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we had a good little chat. And as we were leaving, she's like, I need a bag like that. I'm a nurse and, you know, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, I'm a nurse. That's really cool. And she ended up being in charge. Like she was the um, basically the head of the CNA program at EmTech. Oh wow. And so yeah. So as we started talking, I was like, man, that's awesome. So I she gave me her business card and I emailed her. Um and it took a little while and I got hired on there. So she was telling me it's flexible. Um and I started out just kind of going into the classroom and assisting, like helping with skills pass off. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I did a little bit of the clinical instructing. So when students would go and do their clinical hours. Clinical externship, I would be there to kind of help and assist and everything. And then I got my own class, let's see, maybe a year later. And I did it for about, I I taught for about maybe a year and a half. And then four nights a week was just a lot. (laughs) So it was four nights a week from 5 to 10 p.m. And I was like, okay, I need to take a step back for a minute, you know, like think about my family life. So I am now kind of just back to, um, assisting with the classroom and I sub when needed. And it's honestly the best job. Like it's, I could not have picked out a better job just to keep my license up, keep experience, um, things like that. So I love it.
0: Wow. What a fun story that you <laughs> yeah. you found your employer at a UPS store.
3: <laughs> I know as, as I was sending off my nursing stuff. So I guess as you take action, things can found
0: the place really well yeah no for sure i've heard lots of stories like that on on this podcast and interviewing people like that it definitely seems to work that way um yeah you mentioned a little bit that um you had so you had two kids while you were teaching We talk a little bit more about work-life balance and things like that um was that was that pretty i mean you mentioned you had to step back a little bit and, and dial back some of your commitments over there at that at, at mtech but I mean, is this something that maybe other moms of young kids should consider as well as being a, a teacher or an instructor at a CNA or clinic or something similar?
3: Oh, for sure. Yeah. This, I thought about it. I'm like, this is probably the best job a mom could have. Um, I mean, even, even as I did the night classes, I, I would usually, I'd be with my kids all day. Um, I'd get a babysitter around four 15 and I'd leave for work and then I'd my husband would come home at like five thirty, so he'd be with them the night, and then I would get home at like ten thirty. So it was great for being a mom. Kind of tricky with being a wife. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't see my husband four nights a week. Um, it, I really like it. Was it was tricky because I really loved that challenge. I loved having my class, and um, I just I loved being a CNA. Is such a compassionate and caring work, and being able to share. My experiences and things like that—it it really was rewarding, like teaching them and seeing them learn. And even as they were excited about, oh, this is the first time they've, you know, learned this much about physiology and the, the medical field, and just seeing them excited—it was—it was fun. It was hard to step back. It was hard to step back, but I was like, just right now, um, it's, good. it's good. It's good. It's a good balance.
0: That's good. Does that bring you at all back to your um, time at BYU? I don't know. Do you have any? Um, parallels between your experiences at MTech as a CNA instructor or your time at BYU as undergrad student?
3: For sure. I, I mean, as a as a nursing student, it's exciting. You you're you've wanted it your whole I mean, for me, actually, I didn't want it my whole life. I I knew by the time I was maybe 18 or 19 that I wanted to be a nurse. But then you're just you're just you're ready, you know, you get accepted into that program and you're ready to go and you're so excited and everything you learn, you just you can not only like think about how you're going to apply it but how you're going to help people and change their you know change their life and so being able to share remember those feelings i had as a student was fun to to share and to see um, in my clinical or in my cna students Um, just their excitement and readiness um, and just their caring attitude like as i as I prepared them and then I would see them in the clinical setting and I would watch them walk down the hall um, with an elderly person and have good conversation and be friendly and just those things that matter you know the most it was really fun to see them um, care and kind of apply what they learned it was super rewarding
0: I imagine so well that's really cool Andrea thank you so much for sharing with us a little bit not only about your background but um the road of in the process of getting a CNA license and um, some of the, the benefits that, that can bring to a potential nursing student. Really, really appreciate you sharing all those insights with us.
3: Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me.
0: Eliza, I loved your interview with Sherry. She definitely has been an amazing faculty and someone who's been super important for BYU. Yeah, and her
1: stories of you know, serving people internationally and doing research internationally was um, really insightful and really impactful.
0: Yeah, definitely. I also enjoyed the conversation I had with Andrea. I had no idea that there were so many CNA jobs and positions out there. In fact, I learned in preparation for my interview with her that there were over 1.5 million jobs in the United States that are filled by certified nursing assistants, nursing aides, and psychiatry aides. It appears that in the next decade, the number of CNA positions is expected to increase by about 18%. That's crazy.
1: Well, I have some trivia for you too. The history of nursing assistants um, dates back all the way to World War I when the American Red Cross created a program to train individuals to assist nurses during the war. And their program was, was called the Volunteer Nurses Aid Service.
0: Wow, that's a really long amount of time that they've had that type of program available. Yeah, yeah and I think the really crazy thing too is that as nursing students are going through school, they might as well be able to work. In fact, our nursing students can become qualified for SCNAs CNAs after semester two, and they can start to earn money with that CNA license.
1: That's definitely a great opportunity that they can, you know, start getting that hands-on experience really quickly. Um, And according to our advisement center, pre-nursing students that list their experiences as certified nursing assistants have better chances of being accepted into our nursing program. So we want students to have that hands-on experience with patients and not just clerical work at a care center.
0: No, definitely. There's lots of good opportunities that our nursing students have available, even as they are nursing students, they can still have that hands-on experience.
1: For sure. Well, that's all we have for you guys today. A special shout out to Donovan Kelly, who has been our Um, audio producer and editor for The College Handoff since its beginning, since its inception.
0: That's right. Yeah. Donovan's on his way now to bigger and better things, but we're super excited for him. We really could not have made this podcast happen without him. Donovan, thank you so much. Take care, my man. For the rest of you, we'll see you all next week.
1: See you.